Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today to Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, April 19th. It's Mailbox Monday. We've got a lot of questions to get to, and I'm going to encourage you a little bit about worry and what it means to be and feel safe. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're enjoying what is turning out to be, at least here in the Pacific Northwest, an absolutely beautiful springtime. I love this time of year. I straight up love it. Even with all of the, you know, all of the, I smell like a lavender bomb all the time, right? Lavender and lemon, mostly in peppermint because I'm trying to stave off the allergies. And I know some of you guys are hearing it in my voice. I want to say thanks to everybody who came out to uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota for the Mache conference that we just got back from last night. It was an awesome event. And I'm so thankful for those of you who took the time to come out. It matters, you guys. It matters that we get together. It matters that we encourage each other. Um, Seeing your faces, hugging each other, talking about what's going on. These are the things that we are supposed to do as human beings. We need to be in relationship with each other and in fellowship. And I I did, um, I'm always amazed when I go to these events and I hear from you in person and I hear what's been happening in your communities and what's been happening in your churches. And in many respects, I think this last year, the things I'm hearing are a ref- reflection of something that happened that sort of took us off guard, right? The Rona really took everybody off guard. We weren't ready for it. We didn't realize that our government was as close to taking away our freedoms on a whim as we have discovered, I talked to several people who have had fallouts with their families over mask mandates and even over vaccinations and these kinds of, of discussions. And at one point I said to a really sweet couple, you know, there are deal breakers and there are not deal breakers. And I'm going to say it again, you guys, because I, I think it's important to me, the vaccine is not a deal breaker. You know, there are people in my family that have gotten the vaccine and I love them. I don't care. Get the vaccine. Right. I think where there's a risk, there should be a choice. And I think the discussion is important. We don't want to squash the discussion, but we shouldn't be walking outside of relationship with the people that we love over issues such as vaccines. I think I've always believed this way, right? As as these discussions have kind of heated up and I hear the angst and the sorrow, the adversary knows that a house divided against itself cannot stand. This is absolutely true in the Christian community. And we're having these really hard discussions, and I'm glad for the discussions because I think that they're important. But let's keep in mind that we are called to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus, first to our families and then to a world that's watching. And I think so much of the sorrow that we're feeling is because we are, we've been living with an illusion that somehow we were supposed to be safe, that safety is the final thing that God wants us to have, this, this living to be safe, safe from uh, any kind of harm. It's kind of a, a hope of, of safety. If you guys are, are uh, fearful of political if you want political safety and you're fearful of political change, you guys remember the story of Esther in Persia, right? Serving under one of the most fearful, tyrannical uh, rulers in all of the Persian empire and all of their history, Daniel in Babylon, 
right? And the government said, don't pray. And not only did he continue praying, he prayed in an open window where everyone could see him. And then guess what? He trusted that God was going to take care of him because he was doing what God asked him to do. And then you could argue, well, he didn't get taken care of. He got thrown in the lion's den. And yet God still took care of him. God took care of him. We fear, we fear diseases, but we, we've forgotten the story of Hezekiah and his reversal of health. Lord, don't let us live to be safe. We're, we're, not, we're not here to be safe. You know what I'm talking about? The gospel's not predicated on our safety. I mean, tell that to the apostles. Psalm 91, by the way, a great psalm about safety, describes the conditions for God to protect a person. One, you got to walk closely in right relationship with him. You guys looked at Psalm 91 lately? You got to walk in close relationship with the Lord. And I think sometimes we we are depending, and certainly in this case, we're depending on the government to keep us safe. We have this illusion that if we just do the things right, you know, like, like my friend Rick Green said last week, that we're never going to die. And I'm not sure where this came from, but I don't know about you guys. We don't, we don't, we're just passing through. Psalm, Psalm 91 says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge... And you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We need to let God be God, you guys, and to think about what it is that he wants us to do as we walk this this rough, rocky road that it's just, you know, human beings we get to walk every day. So what are the things that steal your peace and cause you to fear? Is it loss of job? Is it a loss of your health, politics, careers, storms, whatever it is, childbirth? How safe are you? According to the Bible, you're perfectly safe as long as you trust the Lord. The bravest people in the world should be Christians. I mean, consider, consider the martyrs. Can you sing Psalm 3 and Psalm 18? David faced a whole lot more danger than we can imagine. And guess what? God saved him. I wonder what it is that we're teaching our children in the middle of all this about where safety comes from. Do we call on the Lord in the time of trouble? I mean, I've got a lot of things I'm praying about right now. A lot of things I can't talk about on the show that I feel completely helpless about. And I have to say, Lord, help. He's an, he is a, a present help in times of trouble. Job, 
was very safe inside God's hedge, right? Even when Satan was there. David wrote Psalm 18 to celebrate his victory over his enemies. He wrote about God's glorious intervention to save him from many, many threats. You guys remember the three Hebrew men that didn't fear Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God saved them from the fire? I, I, I read a, a church sign when I was traveling a few weeks ago, and that church has been closed for over a year, and it said, currently closed, we will see you again when it's safe. And I was like, well, they're never going to open then. It's never going to be safe. I wonder what the Lord of Heaven's armies is saying about us as we continue to refuse to meet or we only meet online. Forget the fact that it's a virus at the 99.9% you know, survival rate. Forget the fact that we've been ruled by mob mentality. Lord, help me not to live to be safe. That our churches would not do ministry only if they think that they're going to be safe. Where did this even come from? We got to learn to trust the Lord, you guys. It's, it's vanity. It's folly to look for safety anywhere. But with God, through obedience, obedience is where it's at. Obedience is where it's at. Are we obeying the Lord? Because the truth of the matter is, we need to be looking to God first. Salvation that comes from the Lord, right? Some might trust in horses and some might trust in chariots, but we don't as Christians. We trust in the name of the Lord. And you guys, the Bible teaches us in the Psalms that our days were ordained for us before we took a single breath. Before we took a single breath, the Bible teaches us that God saw our unformed bodies and our days were ordained for us. Every single one of them. And you're not going to circumvent the plan of God. We can thwart, we can thwart God's, God's heart for our lives, right, through our disobedience. And certainly we've seen that over and over in the Bible. But I want you to remember the men and women in the Bible that God kept safe, but it was through obedience, right? I mean, there's story after story. I, I love reading uh, the Bible to my children, especially stories that we can relate to right now, right? The government of Nebuchadnezzar, right? Wicked. And there's evil behind the governments, right? But the Bible says our angels fight against them. Don't believe me? Check it out. Daniel chapter 10, 13. Just read the whole thing. Daniel chapter 10. So good. God is our hope and our salvation and ever-present hope in times of trouble. And we need to be teaching our children that this is where our hope is found. The Bible says that when a man fears God, he has the angel of the Lord as a constant companion. That's Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Wow. Fear is really kind of a lack of faith, really. And so when we when we hide behind things and we say, you know, I, I'm sorry, this church that says, you know, we will meet again when it's safe. I got to tell you, that's straight up disobedience to the Lord of Heaven's armies. I mean, what would, you know, if uh, if Daniel had just said, you know, it's safer for me just to close my windows and pray under my bed and all that. No, he, he knew he, he feared the Lord. He wasn't living to be safe because he knew that we're just passing through. You guys are just passing through. I want to encourage you today because a lot of the questions I'm getting here at the podcast, a lot of the, the conversations that I'm having with um, so many of you wonderful people out on the road have to do with a fear of government intrusion, a fear of COVID, a fear of travel, a fear of fear, 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 fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. That is the heart of God. And I wonder what the apostles would have said about the situation that we're in right now. Twelve months into the lockdown, I have a hunch that safety was never their primary concern. Lord, help us not to live, to be safe. Help us to live 
to be effective. Help us to live to be holy. Help us to live to be the salt and light that you've called us to be. To live to see your blessing played out in the lives of our kids and our grandkids. To walk in obedience. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of walking in obedience, why you guys, Rachel from Illinois, she said, Heidi, to answer your question of how I'm getting off the bench, I started meeting with a few other like-minded parents and we put together a voter's guide for our upcoming school board elections to distribute them to our connections. Rachel, I love a great idea. We will also be meeting regularly to share information and discuss how we can advocate for our kids in the public school system. I love that. A listener from Oregon wrote it and said, as our church and the rest of our little world around us shut down, we prayed about how our family could fill the void. In April, we began hosting Sunday worship services in our home for those from our church that wanted to gather. About five families came faithfully each Sunday until our church reopened again. While the zoos and museums remained closed and public parks were roped off with caution tape, we opened our home every Wednesday during the summer to anyone that wanted to come and play. I love it. She went on to say, my prayer is that faith would rise up on the inside of God's people and that we would not grow weary in well-doing, but to press on doing the hard things to walk in the truth. We are praying for you. I love, I love that. It just, it, 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 you guys, it's such an encouragement. We love hearing from you. Thank you so much for writing in to tell us how you're getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. I'm going to answer a couple of questions today. Heather, from North Carolina. Are we as Christians only supposed to be fulfilling the Great Commission at this point in time? I know some folks just tell me not to worry about what's going on in society right now because this is not our eternal home. Can you please help clarify because this is not giving my spirit peace? Well, Heather, the reason it's not giving your spirit peace is because that is a completely backward uh, interpretation of the Great Commission, right? Go there into all the world, right? Preaching the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we know that that's not the only thing that we do as believers. We're supposed to be salt and light in our communities. The Bible says if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it find it again? We absolutely need to be walking this thing out. The Great Commission encompasses more than sharing the gospel. When people tell me not to not to do anything but share the gospel and not to worry about what's going on, that's fatalism. It basically says that we're here for no reason, and I disagree completely. What would Esther have done if that would have been her idea? If if Mordecai would have said, you know, Esther, uh, God's gonna God's gonna save his people, and you could be killed by Xerxes for going before him. So you just stay here and you be safe. No, Mordecai didn't give her, and he loved Esther. Raised her from a baby after the death of her parents. And he said, Esther, if you don't act on behalf of your people, the Jews, relief and deliverance for them will come from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows that you were born and put here for such a time as this? You guys are here right now, right on time. Rarely early, never late. That's the God that we serve. And you're here with a purpose. 
So yes, fulfill the Great Commission, but also get involved. Protect the unborn. What can you do to help? You heard uh, Rick and I talking about this last week, not perpetuating untruths, breaking free from the cycle of fear that has settled over the world like a cold, wet blanket. It's much more than the Great Commission and then us just throwing our hands up in the air and saying, well, that I guess that's all there is, right? That's a great question. A listener from Wisconsin wrote in and said, Heidi, my husband and I are thinking of leaving our church. We've been there for 17 years. Wow. When we joined, there were tons of kids and now only a handful. Most are mine. We are homeschoolers, so church is a huge social outlet. Is it wrong to leave a church and find a church with more kids and opportunities for our teens? No, that's not wrong. You know, you just have to ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And, and, and God will tell you there's a right way to leave a church. You know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, right? Right way to leave a church and a wrong way to leave a church. And as a pastor's wife, I can tell you, it's always painful when someone leaves your church. But there's a way that's less painful. And you can tell them that you love them, but that you really need to have a church home where there's more opportunities for your kids, more places for them to meet godly godly young people. That's not wrong. But just make sure that when you make this announcement, when you say that you're leaving, you do it uh, in a spirit of charity and with love, all right? Pastors need encouragement, but it's not wrong for you to look for another church for a reason like that. I think it's fine. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to what does God want you to do? Give it prayer. Spend time in prayer. Pray with your husband. Pray together. Pray with your kids. The Lord, The Lord's going to show you. Next question comes from Pendleton, Indiana. Heidi, thank you so much for your ministry. You've been such an encouragement to me in my relationship with the Lord. I've been listening to your podcast since January. Well, thank you. My question is, how can I know the Holy Spirit is leading in my life? I think about what Paul says that he does what he doesn't want to do. I find myself in this situation often with outbursts of anger and feeling like I have no control over my anxiety. If I'm truly a believer, then why am I dealing with these things that continue to deal with them? I pray for the Lord's help in these areas, but oftentimes I just feel confused and even doubt my salvation because it seems as if the fruit isn't there. All right, so sweet mom, listen to me, lean in. The reason that you struggle with things like anxiety and outbursts of anger is because we are sinful we are sinful people living in a sinful fallen world and we will always be contending with our flesh. Right? We're always going to be prone to doing the thing that's sinful. I, I was telling the moms a couple of weekends ago in Salem, I was like, you guys want to find out how completely wicked you are? Homeschool your kids. <laughs> you want to find out how completely uh, impatient you are and how selfish? Homeschool your kids. Now, you could say, but why Why would you, you know, why do you, why are you selfish when you homeschool your kids? Because I'm always fighting with my with my flesh. But the Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And this thing that you're dealing with, the anger that you're dealing with, when you say you feel like you have no control, absolutely not true. The Bible teaches you that you you can lean into the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit to say, to say, Lord, I'm struggling. You know, I'm struggling in this area of my life. Help me and he'll help you. This is the way that he is. God is so good to help us like that. And I want to just encourage you, rather, the adversary would love to have you be discouraged, right? And the and the devil likes to take out a tooth. He wants a twofer. He would like, if he can get two for the price of one, he will. So if he can discourage you to the point of feeling like you've even lost your salvation, he's going to do it. Don't give him the satisfaction. Keep going before the Lord. Keep giving your struggles to him. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody struggles with sin. Every single person. I do. 
I think that the victories are found when we keep showing up. And we, we just say, Lord, I need your help today. And God will help you. And the fruit is there. The fruit is there, Laura, because you are, you're recognizing it. That means that there's fruit there. So don't be discouraged. Don't grow weary in well-doing. A harvest of joy is coming. How if you don't give up? If you don't give up. I think it's so important, you guys. All right, last question today. And I'm a little over time, so I'll be quick. Carrie from Georgia who I think sweet Carrie is a mom strong international mama. So, hey, Carrie, how you doing? She said, Heidi, I love your podcast and your mom strong study. My question is, how on earth did you get your kids to listen and sit still long enough for homeschool lessons? (laughs) This is a great question. She said, this is my first year homeschooling and I'm truly struggling with with overactive ADHD boys. And I believe that I have latent undiagnosed ADHD as well. So here's the thing, Carrie, sweet mom. This sounds so normal to me. I mean, I had several, several of my kids who, uh, you know, hang upside down on the couch or I couldn't get them to do the thing I wanted to do, or I'd have their attention for a few minutes and I didn't. You probably have some kinesthetic learners on your hands. I am also very easily distracted, but I want to encourage you away from just feeling like you got to label it and go, wow, this is a challenge. And then let's meet the challenge by coming up with different... So when I had really active kids, you got to give them frequent breaks, which means, mom, you're going to have to be really focused during that 15 minutes when you're doing math with them. So maybe you're going to do some math with them for 15 minutes and we're going to run around the house. Or maybe we're going to do a a lesson for 20 or 25 minutes and then we're going to go and we're going to swap the laundry out from the washer to the dryer. Or maybe we're going to switch and we're going to read a book or maybe we're going to get a snack out of the refrigerator and set it out. But I think that the point is just keep, keep moving toward that goal, but take short, frequent breaks. And I think that helps a lot. And for goodness sake, stay off social media, (laughs) right? I felt like for years and years, especially when social media was new and I was homeschooling my kids, uh, I was on my phone a lot and my kids got frustrated with me for it. And so I'm always telling parents, you know, put your phone in airplane mode if you can and focus on your kids for that little time that you have them. And so, you know, lest you think that my kids, you know, sat still every day and, they were little angels. Uh, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. And we had several, several, you know, months and sometimes weeks of me trying to figure out how I was going to deal with my, you know, very active children. And the Lord showed me how to do it and he'll show you. So hang in there, Carrie. I promise you, you will not be sorry if you can hang in there. All right. You guys, I'm out of time today. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for being an encouragement. We'd love to hear from you. We thank you for your financial support of this ministry. And if you want to support it financially and become a recurring giver, that would be a huge blessing to us. You can do that by going to the show notes today and signing up to support the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can send your cards and letters, your correspondence to us directly at 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. We love you guys. We want you to be encouraged to love your families well. Your families are worth loving. They're worth uh, sacrificing for. They're worth investing in. They're worth every ounce of energy that you put into them. So love them well today. Hope you guys have a fantastic Monday, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.